I have a quote for you that will turn you into a better writer. It will make you a better writer if you really pay close attention to what is being talked about in this quote. It's, it's not specifically a quote about writing. It is a quote about a character in a fictional book and what makes her so intriguing. The, the book that this is from is The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo. And um, it's, it's, it's a quote about a picture of Evelyn. And uh, I will warn you, there is a little bit of language that I didn't want to edit out. Uh, you might consider it not safe for work. It references uh, a sex scene in a movie. And it's not gratuitous or anything, but it's there. And like I said, I didn't feel the need to edit it out. So um, let's dive into this quote. Um, and, and by the way, like I would say every writer, this will make you a better writer if you truly internalize its lesson. Um, and especially if you're a direct response copywriter, many of the world's best direct response copywriters, their writing demonstrates this lesson in a, in a rather incredible way. So um, the book is Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo by Taylor Jenkins Reid. And this quote came up very early in the book. And um, the, the premise of the book, without giving away much, is that there is a journalist like a kind of a rookie journalist or a struggling journalist who is suddenly asked to write the authorized biography of Evelyn Hugo, this, this very famous uh, movie star. And so she's starting to do her research for, uh, for this biography. And she's just, she's looking at pictures of Evelyn Hugo. Um, and I think that's enough context. So the quote, and this is a long one, so bear with me. One of my personal favorites is a black and white shot from the Golden Globes in 1967. She is seated on the aisle, her hair pulled into a loose updo. She's wearing a light-colored lace gown with a deep scoop neckline, her cleavage controlled but on full display, and her right leg escaping through the high slit of the skirt. There are two men seated next to her, names lost to history, who are staring at her as she looks ahead at the stage. The man next to her is staring at her chest. The one next to him is staring at her thigh. Both of them seem enraptured and hoping to see the tiniest bit farther. Maybe I'm overthinking that photo, but I'm starting to notice a pattern. Evelyn always leaves you hoping you'll get just a little bit more, and she always denies you. Even in her much-talked-about sex scene in 3 a.m. from 1977, in which she writhes reverse cowgirl style on top of Don Adler, you see her full breast for less than three seconds. It was ru rumored for years that the incredible box office numbers for the film were because couples were going to see it multiple times. How does she know just how much to give and just how much of herself to withhold? And does that all change now that she's got something to say? Or is she going to play me the same way she played audiences for years? Is Evelyn Hugo going to tell me just enough to keep me on the edge of my seat, but never enough to truly reveal anything? So that's the quote. Here is the massive secret to writing that, as a reader, you can't stop reading. Uh, in three sentences from the quote. Evelyn always leaves you hoping you'll get just a little bit more. 
and she always denies you. How does she know just how much to give and just how much of herself to withhold? Is Evelyn Hugo going to tell me just enough to keep me on the edge of my seat, but never enough to truly reveal anything? So if you think about like great stories through time, right? Great literature through time, uh, especially if there's any kind of intriguing element to it. And this could be a romance. It could be a mystery. It could be, you know, choose your, choose your own adventure here. Oftentimes, what is happening is it is made clear that something is likely to happen in the future. Something is likely to be revealed. Something is likely to be discovered. Something is likely um, to be used, maybe. Um, Meme wrote a book, Three Uses of the Knife, and he talks about, you know... If there's a knife, it's got to be used some way by the end, right? So there's always this expectation that comes from a small reveal, not a big reveal. You don't just spill it all out of the gates, right? There's a small reveal that pulls you in a little bit deeper and another reveal that pulls you in a little bit deeper and another reveal that pulls you in a little bit deeper. And it's always just enough to keep you on the edge of your seat but never enough to truly reveal anything, except for perhaps in the end, the conclusion is, right? Um, in the end, the story needs to be concluded. So, you know, take Sherlock Holmes, right? There are revelations that are happening throughout a Sherlock Holmes story. And those revelations are mixed in with a lot of other details and goings on and happenstances, right? And those details are revealed in such a way that maybe your attention is not initially drawn to them, but by the end, it makes sense. And you're looking back and saying, geez, okay, um, it was all there, right? And in the end, you're discovering that you were getting just enough to keep you on the edge of your seat. But it's only in the end that it's all brought together, that everything is truly revealed, right? And I think that there's been, there's been a lot of more crude references to this in terms of copywriting, right? Um, but this coming out of a, a romance novel, I think, does a great job of demonstrating kind of the seductiveness of good writing, where good writing leaves you hoping you'll get just a little bit more and a little bit more. And, and you see the same thing with. Um, for example, any kind of television show that keeps you hooked from episode to episode, oftentimes the episodes open with some kind of scene that creates a bunch of questions, but that does not provide any answers, right? Um, and then you're watching the entire episode for answers to that opening scene. And you're getting answers and you're getting story along the way, right? but you're always hoping for more. You always need more information. And then right at the end of the episode, there's usually something else that has you hooked and you have to figure out what happens next. And it's denied at the end of the episode so that you come back for the next one. So, you know, just a little bit more 
going a little bit deeper for all writers and especially those direct response copywriters in, in my audience, right? Um, good writing and page turners are full of what I talked about a couple days ago, the curiosity and discovery, the sense of, I want more, I want more, and I'm getting little bits stripped out to me, right? But I'm not necessarily getting the whole story on the next page. I'm not necessarily getting that full exposition because as a reader, if you satisfy the complete answer to this question, what comes next? There's no more motivation to go any deeper. And so as the writer, you have to make the, the, the conscious decision. It starts with intention. You have to make the conscious decision that I'm not going to tell my reader, my audience, what comes next, right? I'm not going to reveal what comes next in its entirety. I'm going to keep it a tease. I'm going to keep it a seduction. I'm going to keep it, you know, just pulling them in a little bit further and a little bit further, but never getting, giving them everything that they want. And that's what's going to pull them through. It's what's going to pull them in and it's what's going to pull them through. Now, speaking specifically to copywriters, and especially those who are working on long-form direct response, oftentimes the biggest, most profitable video sales letters, long copy sales letters, employ this in spades, I mean, to, to the max. So you take somebody like Chris, Chris Haddad, and his copy is just, just exquisite with this. If you study his copy, Yes, it pulls you in. You're emotionally hooked from the beginning. But then it's dripped out. All the little details are dripped out. And oftentimes there's at least one core key essential detail that's held on to. And it's held on to not just from the beginning to the end of the sales copy, the video sales letter, but it's held on to through the entire sales copy while additional details of the product are being dripped out all the way through past the point of purchase. And the only way that you can get what, you, what your curiosity is demanding that you get, the only way that you can get that is by purchasing the product. And great, great sales copy, especially in long form direct response, especially around any kind of information product, is going to do that. And the same thing, like this is used in lots of places. Um, you know, the secret to, one secret to, right? Oftentimes you're teased with that secret all throughout the promotion, all throughout the sales copy. Um, but the only way to actually get that fulfilled, like that, that, that tease is used to pull the reader through, pull the prospect through. The only way to get it fulfilled is to actually then make the purchase, right? Because it's delivered in the product. It's not delivered. There, there is the belief, you know, just like in that photograph, there is the belief that a little bit more will be revealed if I just pay more attention. But the way that it's all revealed in the sales copy is through the purchase of the product. Say these three words. I've seen this like, you know, text these three words to a partner. I've seen it in that space. Or say these three words to the bank. Or... Um, you know, lots of different variations on this essential idea. Um, in, in health copy, I've seen something along the lines of, 
you know, a, a 30 second morning routine, right? And all of these things are put out there initially as some kind of secret, some kind of secret lead, this is what it's called, that is designed to pull your attention in and have you reading more and more about the product, its benefits, getting what you want, you know, solving whatever problem, taking advantage of whatever opportunity, but it's all based around this, this secret that you're going to discover. And it pulls you in and it pulls you through. And the way that you actually get it is by purchasing the product. And one more term here that I have in my notes is the nominalization, right? The nominalization. And so in this, ha this comes up a lot in financial copy that the copywriter gives something a new name. And, um, and that new name is meant to represent some kind of idea that may, may in, if presented just in a straightforward way, not be nearly as exciting, but that has quite exciting benefits that if people are able to turn off their filters for a minute and reinvestigate it from the perspective of the benefits versus this name that they feel familiar with, well, then in that case, it's going to be a... Um, it's going to be something that they're interested in. So for example, if I'm remembering right, there was, there was a promotion a few years back that was about new 801k retirement accounts. And essentially these were dividend reinvestment plans. And people, people have heard drip, drip, drip all the time and dividend reinvestment plans. And it's an incredible way to grow your money, grow your wealth through time. Uh, but you know, if you just said you should sign up for a drip plan, People already have that categorized and conceptualized in their mind in a way where they're not willing to be uh, open to the benefits. They don't listen to the benefits. And so if you say new 801k investment plan and you talk about all the benefits, it pulls people in to the point where suddenly they're interested in responding. And it's, it's the same idea. It's this idea of like, showing them a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more until they're fully bought in, right? And no matter what you're writing, if you want to keep people's attention, you have to use that curiosity. You have to use that sense of discovery. You have to use that tease. And the world's best direct response copywriters have become masters at that. My call to action for you at the end of this episode is number one, ask yourself how you can use this. How, how can you use the ideas behind this to become a better writer, a better copywriter? Don't forget to like and subscribe so you get more content like this delivered to you. And if you want to learn more from me about copywriting, marketing, direct response, business building, I strongly encourage you to sign up for my BTMS Insiders membership, even just one month to see what's there. It's my streaming library of copywriting and marketing courses. There's over 200 hours of training at this point that you get unlimited streaming access to with one single payment. I am Roy Furr. This is Breakthrough Marketing Secrets, and I'll catch you again in the next episode. See you soon. Thank you once again for tuning in to this daily episode of Breakthrough Marketing Secrets. Remember, check out the links with this episode for even more value. Now make sure you like, comment, share, subscribe, and engage in every way you can to keep this show going and growing and delivering daily value to you. I'll catch you soon for your next big breakthrough.